Wellington Access Radio 783. Oh, 106.1 FM. Sorry, guys. I, I keep saying the old uh, the old frequency, but it is 106.1 FM. Wellington Access Radio. You're listening to B-Side Stories. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Laura Beth Kewen, and for the second half, I'm joined by Henry. Uh, hey, Laura. Hey, Henry Peach. How are you this I'm, afternoon? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit frazzled and rushed. <laughs> I got a flat tire on the way here, which is why I came in late to the show. Hey. But I made it. You did make it for the second half of the show, which is exciting because uh, you've got a very special guest. I have a really cool guest. Um, we're interviewing Sarah Thompson, who is a uh, Waikato law student. Um, who's just taking the government to court next week, just casually. And she should be on the line now. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Laura and Henry. Hey, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Um, thank and, you, and thank you for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Um, and I should probably disclose, Laura and Sarah, that uh, before I did this interview, which is about climate change and about taking the government to court over climate change, that I do do some work for the Green Party. Um, so welcome, Sarah. And... So I guess I'll, I'll give a quick rundown first. So for people perhaps not really well-versed in uh, international climate negotiations, you might remember that New Zealand went to the Paris Climate Agreement back in 2015, and there alongside about just under 200 countries, we committed to reducing uh, our greenhouse gas emissions, climate pollution um, in New Zealand. Uh, but Sarah, along with a bunch of other people, have said that this target is inadequate. And Sarah is now taking the government to the High Court next week to challenge the government's commitment to climate change and their target. Is that about right, Sarah? That is, yes. Um, Monday morning, 10 o'clock, at the Wellington High Court, I will be taking the government to court can they, can um, they... and reviewing those targets. Cool. Can the public come along and watch? Is that is that possible? As far as I'm aware, it should be open to anyone to come in and watch, although photos might not be an option. Not sure about that one. Okay. So Paula Bennett, who is the climate change minister, she describes New Zealand's climate target as fair and ambitious. So do do you think that's not true? I don't think that's true. And um, the scientists who are helping me with my case also don't think um, those targets are ambitious enough or even adequate enough. The target under the Paris Agreement is to reduce emissions by 11% below 1990 levels by 2030. Um, And that doesn't go far enough, it isn't fast enough in, in the face of, well, potential climate change disaster. So is it I mean, New Zealand is a tiny, a tiny country, I guess, and I presume alone we couldn't stop climate change or the um, the race towards it. So, is it is it that you know, is it that we are simply not doing enough compared to other countries? So you make a good point that New Zealand is small, and um, I would make two counter arguments there and say. You know, firstly, um, the Paris Agreement is about every country doing its part and um, global accountability. If all the small emitters said, hey, I'm too small, it's no point making an effort, um, that would be about a third of of the world out and that would make a big difference. So Mm. accountability, global accountability is first thing. And secondly, um, 
under the Paris Agreement, developed countries are supposed to be um, the leaders in combating climate change, and we need leaders. Um, so there's New Zealand needs to actually step up and be one of those leaders too. So if, if every country was doing what we're doing, what, what would happen? Um, if every developed country at least was, um, I guess, has chosen the target uh, at the same level as New Zealand, then we would not make the two degrees. Um, well, we, we wouldn't be able to keep warming below that two degrees. Right. Um, okay, so you'll be in court on Monday. Is it, are you going to be the one standing up there um, facing off against the government? Is <laughs> No. Um, one of the lawyers will be doing the submissions, so I will be sitting just maybe just behind, <laughs> behind the lawyers. Um, another day I'll be getting up in court, but that will be once I've started practising and so you have a, ho- a bit more experience. You have a, a team of hotshot lawyers behind you. Yeah, they're very good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, should, I guess are they doing it all pro bono, or is this? A... They are definitely. They're passionate. Well, this is such a massive, important issue that um, they're really passionate about making a difference, and so they're happy to do it completely pro bono. Cool. And do you do do they square off against the minister, or does the minister send down a bunch of government lawyers to to um, fight you guys off? Yeah, I don't know if Paula will turn up. <laughs> so she's got uh, crown lawyers working on her behalf, and it will basically be between the two um, teams of lawyers, and the judge will be facilitating the conversation and asking questions and things in between. Um, so it's a judge that decides rather than a... What, rather what's that? So it's a judge that decides rather than a, a jury of... of um... Yes, so it's one judge, um, Justice Collins, who actually, an interesting side fact, fact was the judge presiding over Lucretia Seals' case. Oh, which was the, the right to, to die okay, case? Yes. So is that a good thing sorry. for you guys? Do you think? What's that, sorry? Is that a good thing for you, to have Justice Collins? Um, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it means he'll be stuck with another very, very interesting and contentious case. Yeah, I bet. Um, so what do you guys have to do to win this case? Like, what is a what is a win for you? So... Um, you mean how we'll win it or uh, the the best kind of outcome or result? I guess the best outcome or result. Like, yeah. yeah, so best, very best outcome would be the judge uh, making an order that the Minister for Climate Change Issues, Paula Bennett, has to reset the, um, the targets, the emission reduction targets, and set them in line with con- scientific consensus also set them in line with our obligations under the Paris Agreement. So you guys will be arguing that they haven't done that, that they haven't considered the global scientific consensus um, when they've set their target and they've set that below that. Is that, is that right? Yeah, so it's um, quite a... I guess the argument gets more complex than that. It looks at, for example... 
in regards to the 11% target under the Paris Agreement, um, it looks at the procedure mm-hmm. the minister took to actually make that decision. For example, did she take relevant information into account? Did she take irrelevant information into account? So, um, so and then it might also be... looks at the actual outcome of that decision and whether the right kind of weight was given to different um, considerations as well. Okay. So what what might be uh, irrelevant information that she considered? Can you can you give an example of that? Irrelevant? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, an example of possibly irrelevant information, um, a lot of weight was given to the idea that the target had to be seen as um, fair and reasonable, but not actually that it was fair and reasonable or that it was in line with, you know, what we actually needed hmm. to do um, as part of obligations under the Paris Agreement. There was uh, not enough consideration given to those principles under the agreement, such as um, the the obligations of developed countries to kind of take a, um, a bigger lead in reducing emissions. And also the minister didn't take into account the cost of climate change on New Zealand if we don't do anything. So there was a lot of economic modelling around what it will cost to reduce emissions by buying a whole heap more carbon credits. Um, But Hmm. there was no way to compare that to the alternative scenario because I never looked at that. Okay. That's pretty interesting. So is there any countries overseas that have done this kind of thing before or have had their their own climate targets challenged in the courts? Is there a precedent for this this kind of stuff? Yes, there, there is international precedent. Um, the case, one of the cases which inspired me to take this action was the Eugenda case over in the Netherlands. And in that case, the Dutch government was challenged by 900 citizens and the court ordered that the government had to ramp up its um, emissions reductions targets and set them at 25% to reduce emissions by 25% um, within five years. So that was a big win for them. Wow. They had, hey, hey, Sarah, um, just this is Laura jumping in. How come Hello, we ha- Laura. Hey. How come we haven't got 900 New Zealand citizens bringing this case? <laughs> I didn't know that many people at the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, in that case, they already had you know, pre-existing groups um, uh, that yeah. came, you know, with, with members and things like that. So that was a lot easier to coordinate. But yeah. um, in terms of my case, it was um, just me approaching the lawyers to take it. And so... Um, it would have been a very hard job to find 900 people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you do but, have some quite heavy-hitting supporters, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, in ter- I've had tons and tons of messages from people all around New Zealand um, you know, saying, thank you for taking this case. This is, like, we, need, we need this. We need action on climate change. And um, heaps of people donating as well. So I'm... 
incredibly grateful for that. And is it right um, that I think it's a former NASA scientist, James Hansen as well, is going to be is providing a, a testimony or something like that for the case? Yeah, so he's um, technically a witness for the case. He's providing a written affidavit. And um, in that, he talks about a lot of the more recent, um, I guess, the recent findings and the recent science in regards to climate change, which is developing really fast. So an affidavit is like the evidence that your side is putting forward to make your, your case? Affidavit, because in a judicial review case, um, there's usually no oral witnesses, so they don't, you don't have your witness stand up in court and be questioned. Instead, everything's written on paper. Um, so it, it's evidence, but... Um, really kind of like a, a witness statement talking about that evidence, whereas we have a whole heap of um, substantial evidence also put together by James Renwick from Victoria University. Oh, yeah. So more, more and more evidence. Yeah. There's, I'd actually just talked to the lawyers um, today and I said, you know, like, how much reading are you doing how much paperwork do you have and they said they've got they'll have at least like six or seven ring binders plus it was like almost 20 volumes of different um scientific reports and things so <laughs> there's a lot Poor Justice of Collins. evidence yes. <laughs> so how, how long will this how long is this expected to go for when when will we know whether you have um won I guess or, or not Right, so the hearing is a three-day substantive hearing. After that, it's most likely going to be a reserved decision, and I don't know how long um, we'll have to wait, but I expect it could be a few months. Cool. So we could know before the election? Yes. Um, What's that, Sarah? So we could know before the election? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that will be interesting to see. Yeah. But... Either way, hopefully it will um, make it a bit more of an election issue. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, we could talk a little bit about how you came to bring this case. Like, what what was the moment where you thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sue the government? That and seems like a sensible thing to do. Can I clarify? <laughs> Sorry if I missed this, but how old are you, Sarah? I'm I'm 26 now, and I was 24 when I filed the case. When you filed it. And were you studying law? Yeah, so I was in my last year of law. Um, I then took off, well, I've been working for the last kind of um, year and a half or so. And then after spending time with the lawyers who are taking my case, I thought, yeah, actually law is a pretty cool thing to um, to practice when you can do stuff like this. So I've decided to go back to do my professionals. And um, in a few weeks' time, I will be ready to be a practicing lawyer. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, you, are you getting? So you'll do this case and then you'll you'll start your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some. It's kind of funny. Um, I've had some comments like, "Oh, this will look good on your CV" or something, and I'm like, "That's a really weird way to look for a job." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an extreme way to uh, <laughs> to try and get a job. <laughs> And I'm sure it's not entirely the reason you're you're doing it. 
But I guess I guess what was the what was the motivation for you? Because I think a lot of people are frustrated and they're seeing an action from a lot of governments. Um, so yeah, why did you think it was sensible for you to take them to court? Yeah. So um, I think firstly there was the decision to actually do something, and that was funnily enough after listening to James Hansen talk about climate change, and so it was like a asteroid hurtling towards Earth, and yet we dither, um, and the longer we delay, the harder it is to divert that asteroid. That was a really strong message, and I was mm. like, crap. This is really bad, you know, and when I looked around and saw, for example, in New Zealand, where we were basically doing nothing about it, um, I felt like a huge injustice and I felt um, like a really big sense of urgency that something needed to be done. So um, at that point, I actually started doing things like I joined a group to go hand out I don't know, go door knocking and mm. um, sign people up to petitions or something. Um, but That didn't feel feel like it was going to change the world? No. <laughs> um, it still, yeah, it, didn't, it felt a little bit futile, although I'm sure not completely. Um, it, yeah, when I heard about the Ugenda case and the cases in the US, that's when I decided to take the case here in New Zealand. So what were the steps that you had to take to to get that, that in motion? Can can you just rock yeah. up to the High Court and say, hey, I want to do this? <laughs> um, after talking to a few people, I was introduced to the lawyers up in Auckland, um, and they've taken a couple of other cases pro bono in the past. So um, someone said, hey, you could try them. You know, They're passionate about environmental issues and things like that. And we... Yeah, the, the lawyers kind of, we had a talk and went through different options for um, the law in which to base this on and stuff. And then we went from there, yeah. Cool. Um, how are you feeling about the trial next week? Are you nervous? Are you confident? Do you, um, think, do you think you're going to win? <laughs> I can't answer the last question. <laughs> <laughs> possibly get me in trouble um but otherwise not too nervous but it does feel a little bit like an impending storm where you know it's coming not quite sure um how everything's going to go down but very excited very excited and are you ready for the media onslaught i assume that they'll be there to greet you on um on monday morning (laughs) yeah um no i'm I'm ready. I have been making sure they will be there because um, I would like to have, the, I guess, more people aware that the government isn't doing enough about climate change in New Zealand. Um, I'd say the media, though, is probably the most nerve-wracking thing out of the whole case. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, fair enough. They can be. They can be scary. <laughs> the, the first day when I filed, I'd never done anything with basically with media before and I don't think I ate the whole day <laughs> I was just waiting for the next phone call it was um, yeah and not it, good for my digestion did it go okay <laughs> did it go okay it did yeah it went surprisingly well and um, afterwards I went back and read what people had written and things and 
I thought, oh, it didn't sound too dumb after all. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a relief. Hey, Sarah, it sounds like this is that, like, this is the end of a really long process that you've come to, that you're finally in the high court next week, but could it potentially also be the start of another long process? Like it could lead to an appeal, which could lead to another appeal. Like um, how, how do you see it going forward? Yeah, that's um, very true that it could be just another step in a long process. Um, I imagine that if I'm successful in any part of my claim, the government will probably not like that. Um, mm. And same same thing with if I'm not successful, the lawyers are prepared to keep going forward. So we've got two more courts ahead of us if um, this one, well... Possibly either way. <laughs> yeah. Are you prepared? Are you in it for the long run? I am. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little bit daunting, I guess. I don't know how long it will take to get to the next, say, the next hearing or the one after that, mm. seeing as this one took um, one and a half, close to, you know, getting on two years. <laughs> so I guess we'll just take it as it comes, but definitely prepared to keep going. Um, I also have a question about legal precedent. Like, what significance mm. will this case have um, for uh, other cases that might come in New Zealand or cases that might come up in other Commonwealth countries? You've got a law background. Maybe you can tell us about that. The effect that this case would have or what yeah, precedent? What, right. Yeah, what kind of a precedent would this case set? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. I'd only thought about the precedent that the case was relying on itself. Yeah. For, I guess, if it was successful, um, it would set a precedent where the court is, um, I guess, intervening in an issue which sometimes courts say is more policy-based. So hmm. um, what maybe what the court could say, well, I guess may, sometimes courts will argue this is up to Parliament to decide. Mm -hmm. um, it's not up to the courts. It's kind of more of like a policy decision. And um, it's always unknown whether they're going to kind of go that way or the other way. So maybe this will be a stronger precedent to um, possibly intervene in such where there is such a serious issue um, facing the court. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, a little I, hard to answer off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, with climate change as a potential global crisis, you yeah. hope that this might be an opportunity for the <laughs> for the court to. Say, this is where we intervene. Yeah, I, d I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I just could imagine a waterfall of um, other developed countries um, seeing similar court cases and coming to similar conclusions that might force the hand of a lot of governments and politicians. It's a hypothetical situation. <laughs> well, um, not so hypothetical because there are a large number of um, countries taking cases. Recently I saw there was a study done 
you said there you know, were 900 climate change-related cases um, in the world, and not all of those are at such big scale as this, but um, there are cases, say, in Belgium going on at the moment. Mm. Um, the Netherlands one is going ahead with an appeal, um, and there are rumblings of, well, there's several cases going on in the US. Um, I think there are teams trying to put forward something in the UK, rumblings of um, cases nearer to New Zealand. So, yeah, it's, it's happening. Exciting cool. times. Hey, Sarah, mm. if um, people want to get involved, can they in this case? Are you having any rallies or any um, events associated associated with it? So if people are in Wellington and um, they want to get involved, 9.15 outside of the court, some local groups have organised a rally and um, a couple of people will be speaking before the hearing. So it would be fantastic to have, you know, just, I don't know, a lot of people outside the court kind of putting out that message um, hey, we care about climate change and we want to see action. Cool. Right opposite Parliament, so it's very well placed. Yeah, so the High Court is right <laughs> opposite message. Parliament, so they yeah. will potentially see a large crowd of people supporting someone taking the government to court for climate change. That would be very cool. Cool. Hey, thanks so much, Sarah, for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure. Cool. Good luck. Thank you. Bye, Sarah. Bye. See you, Laura. Bye, Henry.